I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of the next episode of Meat and 3, our weekly food news roundup. The topic? Restaurants and rules. Some rules are based on religion. This makes for an unusual scene in a Manhattan restaurant, a shy 20-year-old dictating the kitchen standards to a humble veteran chef. While other rules promote health and safety. But... Who are these feared rule keepers with the power to shut a restaurant down? They're not really like food food lovers. Some restaurant rules fall outside the domain of the kitchen. All civil rights issues have basically, uh, at one point or another, revolved around the bathroom. For more, tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. This program is brought to you by Juul, sous vide by Chef Steps. Juul takes the guesswork out of cooking. Learn more at chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. Can you imagine living life without a smartphone? Find out how to do that on this episode of Tech Bytes. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month, and I am a thousand percent confident that every single one of them is listening right now to Tech Bites, the weekly show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology, and today we have a very, very fun episode. You know, I start off every show talking about apps. I ask all my guests, what's your favorite app? It was something that we started back in 2015. It's meant to be the icebreaker, get to know you part of the show. It's a lot of fun. We've even done an episode called What's Your Favorite App, which is a compilation of some of the best of those segments. It's episode 108. In September, we had a new engineer join the show, Noam Osband, and he discovered very quickly that engineers participate in Tech Bytes. I always ask my engineers, how you doing? Do you have a favorite app that you like right now? And that very first day when Noam was in the booth and I said, Noam, do you have an app that you like right now? Noam replied. I, I have a flip phone. Oh, my God. Heads exploded in the booth. People turned and stared. Say again? Oh, I have a flip phone. Is that a new thing? Well, the particular one that I have is new-ish. I, I got it two years ago because, you know, I, I break it like everybody breaks their phone. Um, but but the flip phone is, is old school. The flip phone's old school. Noam has never, ever, ever had a smartphone. And so this episode of Tech Bytes is very special. One, because we have Noam who's typically sitting in the engineer seat, sitting in the guest seat. Welcome to this side of the wall. <laughs> the pleasure is mine. And we're going to do a little bit of a low-tech disconnect from your tech show and talk about the flip phone life, because you know what? It's a little bit of a trend. You may have been seeing photos on social media and read some articles about all the celebrities who are now rolling with a flip phone. Everyone from Rihanna to Warren Buffett to Chris Pine. To Rihanna Scarlett has Jones. a flip phone? Yes. Cool. Now, these people <laughs> also have entourages of other people with smartphones, probably. 
I have okay. So this is this is a, a gripe. But it's I a have. thing. But it's a thing. I will occasionally uh, call a friend to ask for something, a number or an address, and they'll want to they'll want to just share the contact with you. They will be annoyed with me if I do that, and they'll make fun of me. Like, see, you need this, and and that always annoys me because it's like. It takes you one second, and and you don't have to do it because if I if you didn't tell me the address, I, you can always solve the problem, right? Maybe I ask uh, I ask somebody on the street, or like I ask you know if I'm in the area and I know it's a restaurant nearby, I'll just ask in a bodega, and somebody can point me the right way. So um, I'm jumping the gun, but there are many many ways to to live a flip phone life without an entourage. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go back to the very, very beginning. So the iPhone came out in 2007, okay. correct? I mean, we've established on the wrong 10, person to ask. Yes. The iPhone 10 came out last year, so 2007. Did you conscientiously decide you were not going to purchase a smartphone? Did it just kind of roll along for a little while and then... So it's never had a strong appeal to me. In part because I know I'll waste time on it. So I have, I was an early tech adopter in some ways, right? Like, I mean, my dad was super into computers. We had Prodigy in the early 90s. And I remember getting AOL in sixth grade, maybe. And I remember like spending tons of time on Saturday night, like messaging friends. I was ox band. Can we ask how old you are, Noam, to sort of like point sure. your, uh, put 30, you on the spectrum? 38. So okay. we're talking like early 90s on AOL. Okay, fair. Mm-hmm. And I have probably since age like 17, every New Year's made a vow to waste less time on the internet. I have a lot of self-loathing about how much time I waste on the internet. And if I had... And I've always just thought, if I have a flip phone, I'm just going to waste more time on it, right? Like, I'm not going to have... I don't think Homo sapien can control themselves around a flip phone. And I am no better than the average Homo sapien. Around a smartphone. Around a, around a smartphone. I mean, yeah, the flip phone... Arguably, the flip phone is distracting in its own way. Um, but yeah, I don't think Homo sapiens can control themselves. I think like telling somebody like, you can have a phone, but don't use it all the time is like saying to somebody who's dieting. Like carry a bar of chocolate around in your pocket and don't eat it. That's exactly the analogy Or just analogy open it I up give. and eat half. That's exactly the and analogy And carry the, the other half around in your pocket for days. So, you know, I, I've always felt this way. I have never had an urge for a smartphone. It has never been an urge. <laughs> really, it's just never has been. And I, uh, I'm a, I, I'm a doctor of anthropology. I have a PhD in anthropology. And and I often think of humans as homo sapiens. I mean, just sort of, um, I think we overstate the degree to which we are rational, the degree to which we are at all different than any other animal. And so to me, when I use the word homo sapien, it's for the specific reason of I think that's the best way often of thinking about human behavior. So... Very early on, then, you realized that you were sort of one of those like compulsive people, like most people, most oh. homo sapiens, and you knew this would be you knew this would be something that would just become obsessive and a time waster. So you decided not yeah. to get one. Yeah. Now, but you do say you're an early tech adapter, so it sounds like you were online and doing all those kinds of things. Do you have other advanced technology things in your life? 
I have other, so yeah. Cameras, MP3 players. I I actually do have, I don't use it as much as I thought I would. I do still have a a point and shoot. That's like tech, which just people don't buy anymore for obvious reasons. Um, But you can't live without photos now. Yeah, you know, my flip phone... Everybody's a photographer and you have to document your life visually moment to moment. Right, I mean, um, the older I get, I internally, I would never say it to people externally, but I'll say it internally and say you know, it on air. You know, this is a live broadcast. Yeah, There's a gonna... lot of people listening to your internal monologue right now. Uh, I'm a little bit sometimes smug about not having a smartphone. It's not my greatest trait. I mean, I would never say that to people, but in my head. And if I'm at a concert, right, and you like are seeing... And, there, you know, I should say, I should say, there's no judgment insofar as I don't think people are stupid when they're recording the whole show through their phone. It's like, that's what the homo sapien does, and I dig it. I'm just happy that I came of an age when behavior was slightly different, and I'm happy for myself that I haven't changed that. But, but you know, getting back to your original question, I, I stupidly left my, my phone at, at home today, but I do have with me what I do for music. Um, this is an MP3 player. It's tiny. We're going to take a picture of him with it after the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I could not recommend this product higher. Now it's I, adorable. It's a it's a Sandisk Clip Jam Sport Edition. Now there are pluses and minuses. First, I'll give you the pluses. The thing is super tiny, right? Fits in your pocket. I got it. Did I get it when I was going tree planting? I got it right around that time when. And if you're ever planting trees, it's like the perfect size for something because it's really small. Also, it's it's durable. I like once had it like totally exposed to water for a while and it got like a tiny bit foggy inside and then like it went away and it just, it works. It's also like 25 bucks. So if anything happens to it, you're not too unhappy. And now there are downsides to it. You can't make playlists on it. <laughs> and it's, I mean, you can, but it's really laborious and um, it's, it takes longer to navigate, but it's an easy way to be able to listen to music. So $25 for the MP3 player. Let's look at the economics of this. A flip phone is absolutely a thousand percent cheaper than a smartphone. You can get into a flip phone for 25 bucks. You can get into a flip phone for free, depending on who your carrier is. You also save money because I pay 32 a month. For the data and for your call I don't plan. even really have... I mean, I text. I, and I can do data. I can send video and photos. And the camera on it's better than you would think. I mean, you can't zoom in and shit, but um, it's not bad. So even if you're buying... You know, I mean, let's, let's be super generous and say that for a flip phone, a super fancy one, let's say 80 bucks. Yeah, yeah. $80 for the flip phone, $25 for the MP3 player. Yeah. And then you could spend anywhere from, you know, like 50 to a couple hundred dollars on a point and shoot digital camera. Yeah. Which still puts you well under the five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollar smartphone. Yeah. I mean, plus the data, right? Most people are spending upwards of a hundred dollars a month between their phone line and their data lines. I mean, yeah. And that's, and the truth, it's not even. It's not even about the money, right? I mean, that's all true. And the money is, isn't even really the reason I, I do it. That's just a, a fringe benefit of living the flip life. So you do save a lot of money. Yeah. The other thing, though, I, I mean, there's a statement that many people will make that I feel like is a trend that, you know, bubbles up and down over time, which is time is 
your most value commodity. So oh, even yeah. if you can save a lot of dollars on the flip phone, ultimately what you save likely is a lot of your own personal time because you're not in that social media rabbit hole or getting caught up in news or getting caught up in scrolling yeah, and I mean, Instagram I, and, I can. and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I have an iPad. So, okay, in some ways I'm very like tech behind in other ways i mean having an ipod is not an ipad is not tech forward but do you like, carry that around with you during the day i don't uh i'll tell you when i carry it around with me if i drive google maps i do not have data on the ipad but google maps will still follow you and so if i drive and i put in the directions on google maps before i leave it will take me the whole way there and the gps follows me partly kind of insane and scary completely scary it's all tracking you, even if your phone is off or right. you're sleeping. Super you're not useful, super useful. I had like, uh, I had some old school GPSs in my car, but I, twice living in Clinton Hill, left my car unlocked at night and they were gone because I'm an idiot. Um, so, yeah, you know, and I mean, I'm not a luddite, right? I, I, I submitted my dissertation at Penn was the first time my department ever took a documentary film for a dissertation. I probably read fewer books than any other person who like has gotten a PhD from Penn. Um, so in, in some ways I embrace technology. I just think homo sapien behavior has shifted so deeply. And I, I, I think I do not underestimate at all the degree to which there are connections which are made online and then ways in which those are very real and very fulfilling. I just think we're entering, um, and I don't think it's ever gonna change anymore. Like a world where so much of our experience is mediated through tech or through a screen, even in how we interact with other people. And I don't want that for myself. Well, I don't but judge. But you are online, just you're on your desktop oh, computer. Yeah, last night I was scrolling. Right, last night, so I, last night I got not... stuck on Twitter, right? I'm like a news junkie and Twitter's the worst. So, but you have to physically be sitting down in front of your computer, either at work or, or at home to right. be doing these things. But but then I can be as addicted as the next as right. the next So you're sapien. just culling down the number of hours per day that your addiction has opportunity to live. I mean, it's, it is scary for me to think about how many hours people must be spending online a day if they have a smartphone. All the time. You know, I, I'll admit, I had one for four weeks this summer because I was doing a show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And I thought it might be useful for getting in touch with people about other shows because you have your own show, but then you're often picking up like sets and, and spots in other people's shows. And I, you know, I was waiting in line at McDonald's for a soft serve ice cream and I'm like reading the news and it's like, I don't. We I have don't, to talk about that later. Yeah, I don't. We have to talk about soft serve ice cream at McDonald's. Are you a fan? No. Uh, strong disagreement. I like, I mean. Any, um, anything at McDonald's, no. Uh, so if you're, you have, you have to back away from the chemicals. If your uh, if your disagreement is rooted in anything Quality about of food health, product. environmental, yes, yes, labor, yes, all those yes. things, you're entirely yes. right. All of those, three hundred percent. All of those. However, things. if we're looking at it purely in the abstract, just does this thing taste good? No, Pure. negative. Uh, strong disagreement about their chemical, soft serve vanilla. Chemical. Chemical. <sighs> this is another show, but no. I mean, I'm a huge fan of soft serve ice cream. Generally, as Do a you, concept, you mess with Mr. Softy. Mm, Mr. Softy's kind of gross. Okay, I'm a Mr. Softy guy too. I mean, mm, this might be another show. No, I 
um, I can be cheap, but my cheapness is not why I like it's those things. It's not about the price. Yeah. It's I'm just saying for myself, like my, my love of those things is not because of that. It's I genuinely think like a Mr. Softy swirl. Forget like I'll eat the comb, I'm but those send are bad you, calories. I'm going to send you an article. Okay. I'm going to send you an am article I, about Am I never going to want to eat, yes. mister? Yes. <sighs> okay. We are going to take a quick break. You're going to hear Noam go into the control booth so he can run the spot from our sponsor. Did you know that Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit and that we keep the lights on and the mics hot entirely from our members, grants, and sponsors like this one? Stay with us. This program is brought to you by Jewel Sous Vide. My name is Katie Mosman Wadler. I'm the executive director of HRN and a real life Jewel user. When you cook with Jewel, there's zero guesswork. So, steak, chicken, seafood, turkey, vegetables, and eggs all come out exactly the way you like them. The Paired app is intuitive to use and preloaded with all the recipes you'll need, and it has a great visual doneness guide. Jewel is awesome for holiday cooking. It's easy to cook for a crowd, and it's perfectly precise, so you can focus on entertaining without worrying about checking food temps, while Jewel does all the work. You can try out new cuts fearlessly. One of the best things I ever made sous vide was a juicy, tender heritage goose with juniper berries, and it was life-changing. And pro tip, Jewel is small and packs easily, so you can sneak it along on your holiday travels to be this season's food hero everywhere you go. With Jewel, you get perfect food every time. To get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash jewel and use code HRN as in Heritage Radio Network to get $15 off for a limited time. That's chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E code HRN. And happy holidays from all of us at Team HRN. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology. Are you a startup founder and have an amazing piece of food tech? Did you find an app that you just love that helps you find your favorite restaurant? Get in touch with us. We would love to hear from you. We are super interactive. You can email us, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org or find us on social media at techbyteshrn. Today we have a special show. We are talking with TechBytes engineer Noam Osband hey. about having a flip phone. Having a flip phone is kind of a trend. Lots of celebrities are doing it. Why? Well, it is super economical on the dollar front, and I don't think Warren Buffett is using a flip phone because of that, but maybe he is. He's a frugal kind of guy, which is maybe why he is a super billionaire. Also celebrities like Rihanna, Scarlett Johansson, Chris Pine, Kim Kardashian. You know, you can be less connected. You can't get email from work. You're not scrolling on the social media. You're not going down on one of those crazy Instagram holes where all of a sudden you look up and you've lost your morning. The other thing that Noam talked about at the beginning of the show is that he has an iPad for when he travels in the car for Google Maps. And even though he doesn't have data on it, it still tracks him, which is scary, which brings us to, I think, one of the 
the, the third really strong point about moving to a flip phone is security. Yeah. You're less hackable. You're less trackable. I hadn't even thought about you know, that. You know, you are not being followed by all of those apps that are tracking your location, tracking your time when you pick up your phone, when you put down your phone. Are you sleeping? Hacking into your camera, looking at you, listening to you, all those kinds of things. Yeah, I... Um Security's I, had, I a big, hadn't even security, thought about that security's part. Security's a big deal now. Think about all the things that you carry on your phone from your credit card and your your Venmo and your bank yeah. stuff you, you and your what, life stuff. You know what terrifies me? I mean, it, this doesn't keep me up at night, but it's going to be sad when it happens. Eventually, we will move to a driverless car life if for no other reason than as a public health intervention, right? Future generations will look back and be like, so many people died every year driving. That's crazy. So that's why it's going to end up changing. Somebody's going to one day hack into, uh, right, like something and like just fuck it up and all these cars are going to crash on a highway. That that has already happened in the last Fate of the Furious, Fast and Furious movie. Ooh, I guess, I guess clearly I, I, I'm, that, I have that fallen was behind. Already, that was already a plot line. Um, well, I guess somebody the, took my the, idea. The hacker villain played by Charlize Theron with blonde dreadlocks. She lives in a stealth airplane flying around the globe, so she is not trackable. They hack into um, the twist. cars, and they use they they control all the cars in a car chase scene. It's really great. Yeah. So it's happening. And my feeling is that if it's in a movie, it's happening already, probably. Yeah. I. Um, yeah. I mean, you know what's uh, terrifying? But you know, I guess this would happen to me even if I had a flip phone in China is in China the way in which you're now going to be getting like a social, uh, it's not like social niceness, but like so being a, a good citizen score, which will impact whether or not like how you're allowed to travel and like this quantification of, of human behavior in part based on big data. Well, if you don't track it, you can't measure it and you can't quantify it or evaluate it. So the more things about human life we track, the more people can make judgments or use it to categorize or, yeah. you know, the, you know it, the gamification of things is often looked at as a positive. You know, the gamification of dieting, of fitness, of saving money. But it sounds like this is the gamification of your life and ability oh, yeah. to travel and get a job, which is a little scary. Yeah, no. Um, I, I don't know. It's hard to not sometimes be slightly dystopian about things because I just think, right, I mean, like, why wouldn't governments start tracking stuff eventually? Like They probably, time, they are. Yeah. I mean, here, they you are. know, okay, at some point you got to figure in the next 20 years, kids born in the hospital, parents will be offered the option of, do you want us to put a chip in your kid so that you don't lose him or her, low right? Jack, low jack your baby. 100%. Baby and, low and, jack. And won't most parents take that? I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you? If it means that your child, it's easier to find them if they're kidnapped? I mean, Possibly. I don't know. I'd like to think I'd, I'd be a free-range parent. I, um... Yeah, I... I, I hope to, to become a parent, and I imagine I'd be very hands-off in a lot of ways. You know, it's, it's interesting. I saw this thing on, on Twitter... Uh, a year ago, which was mind blowing, which was a kindergarten intake form in one of the Carolinas in like the 70s. And one of the questions was, how many blocks do you let your child walk alone? 
right? So the implicit assumption is your kindergartner is walking alone <laughs> some number of blocks. And now that behavior is criminalized, right? Now sometimes parents get arrested if their children are like alone in a park. Um, but, you know, if, if you have the option of something that can prevent your child from being abducted, uh, I just think most people would take that. And, absolutely. Yeah. They absolutely would. So security yeah. for your person and perhaps security also, you know, to find your friends, to find your, your person. I mean, certainly it works like that. One of the other things about a flip phone is in terms of your personal safety, no one's going to steal it from you. No one's going to knock you down in the subway to grab your phone and run away. Yeah, I still, um, I can be a little bit of a paranoid. I don't know. I'm not a paranoid. I once worked in a prison, and after leaving a prison, you're just like... No, and what were you doing in a prison? I taught job skills at Suffolk County House of Corrections. Okay. Ironically, I got I got the job a few months after the only time I've ever been arrested. Um, possession, going into Bonnaroo. That's another story for another time. And That's, a, that's also a different show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Um, and what were we talking about? With we're talking the, about your job in corrections and being a little bit. Oh yeah, and so after that experience, it's just you're, you're like, well, there, there are a lot of people in the world who might who might jack your stuff. But not a flip phone. A flip phone, I'm like it. But this is all to say, I also I use the club on my 1999 Corolla. For those of you who don't know what the club is, the club is this wacky thing yeah, that you would probably do. Do you buy it on TV, uh, like in should, three installments? Right? Is right. it is it a is it an infomercial product? It's a it's a bar with two hooks on it that's on a spring that gets smaller and then bigger, and you make it smaller and then you put it onto your steering wheel and then you lock it so people can't drive, they can't steer the car. Yeah. And uh, I and my friend and my car is like beat up. I, I like once had like rusting on the trunk and I like got rid of the rusting by never even bothered sort of repainting like the epoxy. Um, and so friends will laugh when I put the club on because they're like, no one is going to steal that car. No, I'm. But, you know, I. Yeah, I, I would err on the side that I don't think people are going to be stealing flip phones. It's unlikely. Unless it, unless. It really becomes a trend and the sort of vintage throwback coolness factor of having a flip phone really takes hold. And then maybe an iconic cell phone company like Nokia will bring back things like the original Matrix slide phone, which I had one of those back in the day and I adored that phone. Oh, right on. I know what you're talking about. I think if, you know, maybe they started bringing things back like that, then maybe they might become a little bit more valuable. But I think the basic, you know, $25.99 flip phone, nobody's stealing it from you. Now I'll tell you something. This is something that will surprise you. I have a reputation with some friends of being uh, one of the most because the two prison stories didn't being one of the most <laughs> prolific texters they know. I text a lot. Now, do you have to use the keyboard to do that? I do. I that to me is very annoying. Um, it's not. You actually can do it without looking down. So to me, the idea of doing it on a smartphone seems very annoying because you have to look at the phone. Right when you text on a smartphone, you have to look at the phone. I mean, I, I, does anybody typically typically right? I don't have to do that, so I can look at you and text and know what I'm doing, and I can do it fast. I recently discovered, not recently, a couple of years ago, someone turned me on to XT9 predictive texting. Right. Which is funny. Um, it turns 
Yeah, it's funny sometimes if you type in a slang word, it gives you a different word. Yes, it doesn't want you to be slangy or profane. No. All of the predictive texting, typing things do not want you to use profanity. Can I say something slightly saucy that I think is really funny? You can say whatever the fuck you want okay. because we're online, so that means we're not FAA concerned. Cool. Uh, so it's funny if you try to sext with a flip phone, okay? Were <laughs> you doing that from prison? Because uh, <laughs> you don't necessarily want to lick a puppy. And uh, <laughs> the, but here, here's what's, I swear to God, this is true. I could show you this sometime. If you type in the if you type in the word cock, it auto-corrects to anal. Because I guess that's a word in the dictionary. <laughs> I think it would be like clock, to be like closer no, to the word. It's, it's got it to be four letters. And okay. okay. I don't know how predictive things work yeah. in terms of that. I, there's got to be a way to teach my phone slang words. Um, does it have an AI learning capacity in the It software? doesn't have that, but I bet there's a... I've not bothered to take the time to see if I can teach the dictionary... Actually, I didn't even know if there's a dictionary. Well, there's got to be something that's like predicting the words. So, well, we know flip phones can potentially be amazing in terms of saving you money. They can be amazing because they're almost indestructible compared to a smartphone. I don't know how you guys don't they're break gonna, your screens all the time. They're going to keep you less connected from annoying things like emails from work. It's going to prevent you from going down the social media rabbit hole. Another huge advantage, another huge advantage we haven't discussed. I don't got to juice my phone all the time. That's true. The battery lasts for days. Days. Literally, days. actually days. Literally days. Days. I see people with their with their extra chargers, right? You see people with their extra chargers and you're they like- make suitcases with chargers in them now. We're addicted travel. monkeys. Ironically, we're not monkeys. That's a different thing, but that's a good word. We're like, we're addicted monkeys. And, and you see people like that and it's- Anyways, the flip phone will last for days. So, especially on airplane mode. So many benefits plus the cool factor because it's almost like, yeah, I don't care if I can get email or I don't care if people can text me because I just make phone calls. There's something that's very appealing about that. What are the downsides, though? Are there things that you have you ever looked at your flip phone and thought, damn, I can't do this thing because I don't have a smartphone? Um, occasionally, right? Like if you're lost or something or you need a number. I was, I guess, one of the few in the proud who does, was unhappy. Does 911, is there still an you, operator service you can call on your phone? You can I call 911 from your phone. Uh, and will there be an operator who will give you information? Well, no, that, you're thinking of like uh, 411. 411, yeah. yes, sorry. Um, 911's for emergencies. 411 for information <laughs> or zero for the operator? I hope the listeners don't get it wrong and like... There's a home invasion, but I'm calling 311. They're not helping. I just hear. 311 might help you. 311 is the utility New York City number where you can call that and get directed That's to. That's a smart idea, 311. Absolutely. You can call it and get directed to just about any civic entity that or thing you need help with. I was one of the last people who was using. Remember, you used to be able to text G O O G L and you could, you could text. So as Google had this service that they stopped some years ago, but if you texted them with like that, you could, it was like a, almost like an online directory. So you could text them maybe like the name of a restaurant in a city and it would give you that. Or you could text like Italian restaurants, Richmond, and it would give you a list of Italian restaurants. That was useful. I would use that sometimes. Um, if but I, that doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't exist. When, it, when they stopped doing it, I was sad. So what are your roadblocks with the flip phone? 
roadblocks like? In terms of things that you can't do. When was the last time you found yourself in a situation where you were prohibited from doing something you wanted to do because you didn't have a smartphone? Occasionally, but I don't like this. Sometimes I think that would be funny to tweet, but I can't. Okay. Do you, do you note, make a note and I'll then do it later? I'll sometimes write it down and do it later. Okay. But I don't like, I mean, yeah. Um, oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you two things. One is uh, I had Movie Pass for a little while. Okay. You couldn't use Movie Pass on an iPad. The app didn't work through an iPad, which is odd because they're both iOS. And I would have to then like sign into it through my friends' phones, and like it just was stupid. So I had to stop. To the Movie Pass and ticketing and things like that. Do you find that you need to print things at home and then bring it with you? Yeah, I mean, but but and there's some of that. There are advantages too. If I if I'm going someplace. And let's say I don't want to bring the iPad or I don't have the iPad. I'll write down directions in my notepad. And then I feel like I know the streets better. But undoubtedly, if, you, if you're not following a, a, a GPS and you're actually writing it down, you, you memorize it better. So that's helpful. Um, you told me a story about when you were in San Francisco. Which store? I mean, I uh, I don't remember which specific story, but I, I am in San Francisco often. You wanted to use one of the Ford bikes. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, one yeah. One of the city share bikes. Oh, yeah, this is true. Um, so, yeah, you and there was a you could only get I think it was like the the single ride if you were using it through the app. But if you went to the machine, you had to get like a day pass. And that's not what I wanted to do. Because that was this, annoying. The way it works is you create an account and you put your credit card in and then it sends you a numeric code for you to punch into the bike stand right, but to, I, get, but it, to liberate the bike. But theoretically, it could do... I don't understand why they do that. Because theoretically, I, you can do all the other things at the, at the kiosk. So I don't know why they discriminate against... Flip phone Maybe they users. just didn't think about it. Uh, that's entirely possible. I, I will say this. I will say this. I, the only time I have ever thought to myself, oh, shit, I might want to creep into a, a smartphone is um, dockless bike services. I'm an avid cyclist. I ride my bike everywhere. And dockless bikes seem pretty amazing. They're not really a big thing in, in the U.S., but in some countries they're I've huge. I've seen the dockless scooters yeah. in San Francisco they have now, the motorized scooters, totally. where they're just sort of sitting on the street, and then you go and grab one. So I have considered, gosh, this is so sick, I've considered getting an iPhone, but not getting service, and then thinking, like, you usually can connect to something somewhere, or, like, maybe I just, like, bring it a few stores down to connect to their Wi-Fi, I thought about because I, I once had an iPhone that I used just for music because I had lost when I moved to New York. I had an iPod Touch and it got stolen. Welcome to New York. Um, and then See, theft on the high tech. Yeah, it was. I lived in Philly, and Philly, you know, Philly prides itself on being a rougher town. I lived in Philly for four years, and I would bike, and then I had like a pouch on my bike, and I would leave my iPad, iPod Touch, in the pouch, and it never was stolen. And then within a month of moving to New York, I did that one time. And when I got to my bike at three in the morning, it was gone. You've gone so long without a smartphone, though. I almost don't wonder if you should just keep going. I, um, I'm worried. Given, especially given what you said at the top of the show about concern for your addictive personality oh, yeah. because you're a homo sapien. Oh, yeah. I almost feel like as soon as you get that smartphone, you're going to just 
cascade down that slippery oh, slope. No, I mean, I, I, if I had the smartphone, I wouldn't connect it with like my phone company. I would have a smartphone purely Just for the for dockless, Wi-Fi. purely for the dockless biking. Not you even, say that now. I, I you say that I now. have zero. It, it's almost it's surprising to me, and I, I swear to God, I have zero urge for. There's a there's a Hebrew word, a taiva, like a desire. Your taivas are like your your urges, which maybe you want to fight. I don't have a taiva for a smartphone. It has okay. no interest to me. I, I do worry about one of two things. A, that the phone companies at one point are like, you you're you can no longer use a flip phone, right? Because it's like it's to their benefit to like have me on a smartphone. It'll cost more. There'll be data they can like monetize and stuff. So one day I worry they're like, you can't use flip phones anymore. The other thing is maybe one day I have an employer. So growing up, I would hear people say, because I grew up in a very religious Jewish community, if you're Sabbath observant and you start your job and you tell your bosses from the get-go, like, I'm Sabbath observant, I, I can't, you know, I, I, I don't come in on Saturdays, I don't use the phone, I don't use the computer, they're going to respect you and you can, you know, you can do it. And so part of me thinks if I have a employer and I tell them, from the get-go that, like, listen, I, I have a, a flip phone. This is what I do. That maybe they'll be like, oh, okay, well, that that's who you are. I worry that one day I'm going to get a job, and they're like, you need to have a smartphone, and that will make me sad because it will affect my quality of life. It will affect my quality of life. Well, maybe that will tell you something about the job, and maybe you won't take it. Yeah, but I it's... You don't, I, I have, you don't some, need to have a smartphone to work at Heritage Radio Network. No, although, you know, I've had freelance gigs where, like, I'm producing stuff for other podcasts, and I sometimes worry that, like, when I tell them, like, just so you know, like, if there's a deadline or something, if you need to get in touch with me, I'm on text all the time. You know, you can text me, you can email me, but, like, you can't, you can't WhatsApp me, you can't yada, yada, yada. If you email, or, like, um, you know, if you email me, make sure I'm home. Um, I worry uh, sometimes that I am annoying people I'm working with when I when I tell them that stuff but what can you do well I find those types of stuff really entertaining and engaging and it was a great idea to do this show I'm going to recap all the top line high points of having a flip phone because you know what might be something interesting to try for a little while I myself occasionally buy a flip phone and I pop my sim card from my smartphone into the flip phone and just roll with that for a few days I know you can do that on some carriers. So first up, it's cheaper. It's less money. It's less data. It's less money for the thing. It's indestructible. It'll hold a longer charge. It's super small. You're also a lot more secure. Nobody's tracking you, hacking you. It's also a super hot celebrity retro trend. All the cool rich people are doing it. And then I think the last thing, Noam, tell us what kind of fun features the flip phone has, because lots of people think that it just makes phone calls, but you still no. have a video. I mean, theoretically, I You still could, have a flashlight. The thing you can, can connect to the internet. Like, the, the thing can actually do that. I just, I don't pay for the data. I don't want to use that service. So theoretically, I could connect to the internet through my phone. So it does do those things, but if... If you want the internet, don't do that. Um, it takes good photos. You can't zoom in, but you can adjust exposure and stuff. And it takes good photos. Um, it, you could do a mini SD card and use it as your music player if you wanted to. Um, 
Soda actually has a little more. Uh, it's got has, a great has a flashlight. Few more bells and whistles than you, people think. Do you know what is amazing to me is I make this joke to people all the time, and people do not realize I'm joking. The majority of the time, people don't realize I'm making a joke. When I'll sometimes say to people like, if they'll comment on my phone, they'll see me take it out, and I'll be like, oh, well, you know, like this phone has a flashlight. So does your phone have that? And most people will be like, yeah, my phone. Does. Like they don't really. <laughs> I guess why should I blame? I guess I'm surprised people don't realize I'm being sarcastic, but um, that's, that's stupid of me for thinking that. Well, maybe think about switching to a flip phone if you want to disconnect for a little bit. Could be an interesting thing to consider for 2019 and a New Year's type resolution. If you're interested in some more ideas on how to disconnect from your tech and tame your tech monster, we've done a bunch of shows, episode 39. Um, which is really about focusing a little bit more on being mindful and using your phone less throughout the day. And episode 91, which was about unplugging, doing a reset, and a digital detox, which is a challenge to spend 24 hours without technology, people, or food. Something to consider. So we are out of time. This is a great show. We have our engineer, Noam Osban, here talking about the flip phone life. I'm so intrigued by this. I think I'm going to do it, and then we'll talk about it on the show next year. Do it. If you want to learn more about Noam, you can follow him on social media at Noam Osband, N-O-A-M-O-S-B-A-N-D. He has a website, noamosband.com. In addition to being an anthropologist, he's also a producer and a musician, and you will be able to find him at a local event on December 17th called Wikipedia Love, which will be real-life stories, songs, and interviews about sex and love with humans and animals? Well, not together, not together. So I, this is the show I did in Edinburgh, and I write songs. I like writing songs which are based on, on fact and real-life things. And so it's songs about sex and love, either human or animal, uh based on like Wikipedia. So I, I have like a projector and while I sing songs, I project academic articles and videos. And uh, the show is December 17th at the Footlight Bar at 7 p.m. We're going to have two guests. We're going to have a veterinarian talking about... The animal love. Animal love. And then we're going to have the man who makes the naughty Jewish boy's calendar. Ooh. Saucy. Definitely. Yeah. And... For the musician part, we are going to close the show with Gnome playing a little ukulele for us. So this is a song about food. Everything in this song is completely true. Um, are you a meat eater? Absolutely. Do you have any moral compunctions about that? Mm, some. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. I feel the same way. I admire vegetarians. I think they are doing the right thing. I just really like the taste of meat. But some people have the courage of their convictions. Uh, some people live by a moral code. Uh, and this is a song about one of them. Oh, Hitler the vegetarian Committed acts of genocide But guess what? You never caught him doing Eating greasy chicken fried Hitler the vegetarian Did a lot of bad things but eating hamburgers was not one of his sins. Ooh, he believed in the master race, but never put a chicken nugget on his plate. 
crimes against humanity but at least he never ate a blt so it's true hitler was a vegetarian um this is all, all the stuff i'm gonna tell you is completely true there are first-hand accounts of sometimes at meals he would give people shit for eating meat he would say like i grew up next to a slaughterhouse and if you saw how those animals are treated you would never touch meat which means, in addition to many other things, Hitler was a horrible dinner guest, right? I picture him as a dinner guest. I picture it being like not a lot of dialogue, mostly monologue. I feel like Hitler probably mansplained a lot at dinner, which is like not the worst thing he did, but doesn't make him any better of a dinner guest. Now, Hitler the vegetarian, trying to live a good life too. If you oppose factory farming, there's a little bit of Hitler in you. Hitler the vegetarian shared an ideology that you might have because you both oppose animal cruelty. That's right, he believed in the master race, but never put a Polish sausage on his plate. Crimes against humanity, but at least he never ate at KFC. Now, this is also completely true. This is based on another first-hand account. I'm not making this up. Hitler would sometimes, during movies, he was a film buff, turn away from the screen if there was a scene of animal cruelty and would need somebody to tell him when it was over. Which means that the man who ran the Third Reich... The man who slaughtered millions and millions of innocents, he couldn't make it through Bambi. Now, Hitler, the vegetarian, he couldn't do the vegan act. Everybody knows Adolf loved his omelets, a well-known historical fact. That's actually not true. But he only killed one species. He could have been a multi-species killer. Cause if you eat beef and chicken, then you're twice a species killer than Hitler. Because he believed in the master race. Never put a chicken nugget on his plate. Crimes against humanity. But at least he never ate a manatee. Hitler the vegetarian. Not what I was expecting when you offered to bring your ukulele. A food song, a food song. Definitely. Is that one of the songs from your act? Um, I, I No, it's actually not, not from my act. It's just a song I've written separately. Um, uh, but I, I do a song. It won't be in the show. I did it in Scotland this summer about Ava Braun. Do you know who she was? Yes. She was Hitler's uh, partner. The crazy detail which the song is all about is that nobody in Germany knew who she was till after the war. She was kept a secret. And so it's actually a touching ballad that I have made people cry during, I swear to God, about like we've all been like Ava, stuck with a partner who like doesn't like us as much as we like them and all, you know. But it ends in a, it's a happy ending because they get married and I show their like wedding certificate on a big screen and it's fun. So really quickly, because we are out of time, tell yeah. me what kind of, tell me what motivated you to write that song. And then second question, tell me what type of reaction you usually get. Um... I, I mean, I had a dad who loved Holocaust humor. I have always loved Holocaust humor. To me, the Holocaust is one of the best subjects for humor because in most cases, it's like it's a, it's a black and white issue for most people, maybe not enough people, but like it, there's no gray area. So if I know 
like that the person's not a neo-Nazi, then it's like, oh, go ahead and make jokes because I, I don't actually worry with other things, right? Where it's a gray area, then maybe I wonder what the person's motivation is. But like the Holocaust, I don't generally worry that somebody singing about it is... So anyways, I just have always loved Holocaust humor. Uh, people typically like that song. It's fun to, it's fun to play it for people. I, I'm very proud of the third stanza. I'm proud of saying he only killed one species, but if you eat beef and chicken, you eat two. It's a good punch to end the song with that it's fun to see people's reactions. How do, vegeta do vegetarians react differently? Um, occasionally they get... Uh, uh, only once. I, only once. I, I think I actually... Did I start writing? I once played at like a vegetarian event in Philadelphia. Um, I think that's how I thought of the song. Uh, I, I, yeah, I like writing funny, weird songs. So, <laughs> Well, no, um, thank you for crossing the threshold from the control booth into the guest chair. And we're going to wave goodbye. Yeah, thank you, you so much. I better get back to back the control booth to so do the ending music. Do the ending music, stop the show, and then get ready to queue up the next show with Linda Palacio, A Taste of the Past, which is really a wonderful look at a lot of different kinds of food history. If you've never listened to it, today might be the day to stay with it. I'm Jennifer Leutzi, and this is Tech Bites. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.